in this episode, as well as the regular features, we have an interview with two galactic creators, Clarence and Scott from M-Space. Welcome to the official Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 17, to M-Space and beyond. Welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, Inwills, and welcome to October. Yep, the year is really going that quickly. I was reading or watching something, and the conversation turned to talking about using Roll20 for RPGs, and whether it was better or just as good as playing in real life, i.e. face-to-face. When I first started to play RPGs, I remember taking over my mum's dining room table for adventures or going round to somebody else's house to play. But now, for me, all the games I play are online and, well, virtual. If you were to ask me how I felt about this or what I thought about using a virtual tabletop, then I would definitely say I enjoy it and I like GMing on it. If you look at our current group, two of the players live in America, and the although the other two are from the UK, one is a considerable distance away from me. I can safely say that we wouldn't be a playing group if it wasn't for virtual tabletop. Some people might say that playing virtually, they might miss the actual dice rolling. Now, some people still roll real dice off screen and still play virtually, although I've always seen this as a, a little bit sneaky. I watched one session like this once and all the important roles were great and only when the role didn't matter, so for example role perception to see if you notice that there is a bug on the apple which one of your party members is about to eat, well they always seem to be low. Drat, a natural one. Funny how that worked. As a GM, I even roll all my dice in the open, and if a blind roll is almost like needed, I tend to still roll this out in the open because I trust my players to roleplay the scene accordingly. So Virtual Tabletop has definitely worked for me, and I imagine it will do for good while yet. And now it's time for those campaign updates. Right, okay, I got a message from a listener who stated that they didn't see the point of the campaign update since they weren't really interested in what was going on in our game. I am now somewhat concerned that this is the opinion of the majority of the people out there. So rather than sharing what is happening in our campaign, I thought I would alter it slightly and let you know about something which might have come up in our campaign relating to role-playing or the rules. Now, it might be apparent from this 
podcast and my videos that I am really keen on Mithras and that I am also trying to spread the word about how wonderful this game is. Now, in order to try and achieve this, we have made a flex slot in our campaign. Now, the idea of this slot is that people can come and play a character for a game or two and see whether or not they like the system. The character is someone called Ben, who the party knows. One of the original players in the campaign actually planted his axe into Ben's skull because Ben stole his kill. Ben returned, although the player did not, and with a loss of memory, he participates in the campaign, trying to be a theist like Bartaby, but favouring the opposing moon of Amriel, Marwoth. Ben has some magical abilities, but favours throwing knives and a great hammer. He is deadly with the latter and enjoys using specials to push water goblins off a boat as they try to attack the party. With Ben's head injury, his character does tend to fluctuate somewhat, and which seems perfect for a flex character. So far, we've had one person who has come along and expressed an interest and played for a session, and hopefully there will be more. Fingers crossed that he and anybody else who joins us will enjoy their experience and add to the ever-growing community, which is Mithras. One aspect of Mithras which I really enjoy is its flexibility. Although we mainly play in a fantasy setting, we have played horror with Matt Eager's modules and even been 1980 spies in the White Death scenario. But one place we have not yet ventured to is outer space. I had already seen M Space on Frostbite Books and eagerly bought it looking forward to creating a campaign. And in this episode, I am soon to be joined by Clarence and Scott, creators of M Space, to bring me and you up to speed about playing Mithras in space. Now, before you hear the interview, I just have to say that there are times when I was holding up books. This does not translate very well to a podcast, but knowing it now, you will be able to understand some parts of the discussion. So let's engage our warp drive, standby iron control and energize. I'm Clarence Red, and I'm the writer of M-Space and Obsuit and several more books uh, for Mithras that I, that I have released. I'm from Sweden, and I've been doing this for, um, well, since 2014. And uh, gradually over time, I have started finding other writers that I also in, invite to, to write stuff. Scott among them, of course. Yeah. So Scott, do you want to introduce yourself as well? I'm Scott Crowder. I'm one of those lucky writers that Clarence invited to write for him. I feel quite honored to have been included. Um, yeah, I first wrote for Lawrence with Parallel Lines and I've wrote for New, Newport and D101 Games. And now I write for Frostbite Books now and then. Well, it's absolutely fantastic to meet you both. I've been reading a lot of the M Space books and I was wondering, how did it all start? What was the inspiration behind it all? Well, I started work on M Space in early 2014. 
Uh, and it started really as just a few IDs that I sketched down about Starship design and uh, as a free PDF that I released on BRP Central. From there, it just kind of grew. And eventually, I released it as a book in 2016. And it was under a Mithras Gateway license. Then. And the inspiration came very much from the golden age of sci-fi, I think, the 60s and 70s. My father had a massive collection of, of old sci-fi books. Uh, with So I read, you know, lots of Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, Larry Niven, um, I just kept reading all these when I grew up and as a teenager and I added, you know, like the uh, more uh, general inspiration, sci-fi inspiration like Star Wars and, uh, and also early sci-fi uh, games like Traveller. Uh, ring world so it was kind of a, a mix between different things so just so everyone knows m space is like mithras in space is that right yeah i think you can say that based on mithras imperative the light version of of mithras so and i think mithras imperative is free i think it's a free PDF. Yeah, it is free. Exactly. But it's included in M-Space, so you only have to buy one book if you want to run it. So it's uh, very convenient. And then, of course, you have a few settings. The design mechanism also has released that science fiction, like uh, Luther Arkwright and uh, Worlds United. So, so but we are maybe the, the most complete uh, sci-fi rule set for Mithras uh, in sci-fi. So as well as creators of the rule set, do you run your own campaigns? Are you GMs? Do you play? Oh, yeah. Yeah, at least once a week if I can. We get together and we're back playing Pirates of Drydax using M-Space. And uh, oh, yeah, get a lot of... A lot of practice playing the game. <laughs> the sci-fi sort of like setting I like is quite low tech. I like, I don't mind the odd blaster, but I'm not a lightsaber guy, you know, and it's normally Mithras is all about handheld weapons and bows for ranged weapons and things like that. So does it sort of like lend itself really well to firearms? So? Uh, I think if if you put your mind to any system, you can make it suited to sci-fi. But I just love D100 and always have. Uh, I felt like you have more freedom of choice and things you can do. And everything just flows more naturally. Uh, I've been told that I have a narrative style, but I love a crunchy game. So I'm some weird hybrid thing. <laughs> but D100 works perfectly for that. And I just love Mithras with the, with the crunchy rules. So, Yeah, I... I would say so. I, I uh, from my experience, it's it's uh, it's a very good system for for sci-fi. Uh, I like the the way the way combat can be gritty, and uh, it has a, a very balanced set of skills. I think that's surprisingly efficient across uh, genres and also like passions and luck points. It, it adds adds a, a certain um, you can add a little bit of it or you can add a lot of it to, to give the players more uh, storytelling, um, to, to, to drive the story more, not just the, the GM. And, and I think that's one of the, of the Mithras rule set that I really like in this idea of passions. I, I love that and how it can drive the story, but also develop characters uh, as well, which is um, fantastic. Do, do you think... Um, the sci-fi 
offers something, a sci-fi campaign offers something that a fantasy campaign can't offer? I think that you can address, like uh, we talked about, I think you can address um, modern day issues a little bit better with sci-fi than you can with fantasy. I think it lends itself more to that. The history like of Star Trek always addressing current issues is kind of a thing, but even in what I write, you know, Escape from Mazagoon, they're slaves. Some of those slaves were prisoners turned into slaves, and that's an issue for me because here in America, it's slavery is a banished except for if you're a prisoner, and then you can still be made a slave. So we never really got rid of slavery. It's still a thing. As long as you have it, people are going to abuse it. And even you know, in the work I'm working on right now, the idea is that there can be people who were prisoners who have been made into slaves. So, I mean, you can address those issues. That doesn't really happen a lot in fantasy, I don't think. No. And what, what about you, Clowns? What, what do you really enjoy about the space campaigns? Well, I, I think fantasy and sci-fi has surprisingly a lot in common. It's, you know, it's like uh, you explore strange worlds, you, uh, you take on twisted villains, and you get some fantastic reward at the end. So the, the basics are pretty similar. But I, I think the cool thing with sci-fi is that you get to explore these uh, really strange worlds and often quite a lot of them it's not just a single world and it's all the parameters are set at the start and you just go with it in sci-fi you can you can have like a, a planet of the week or a strange alien of the week uh, type of thing so it's it's uh, I, I would say it's a bit more open if you want to uh, but i also think that that might scare some people it's too open it's like do I have to develop like 50,000 aliens and 100,000 planets? And of course not. You, you can just whittle it down, make it much smaller to start with. Yeah, and that's exactly how I feel about my uh, space campaign. This idea that, you know, space travel is there, characters can move from one solar system yeah. to another system. And the, the vastness yeah. of it, you know, is... Is huge, you know, and I, I've been thinking about exactly mm. what you were saying there, you know, how many solar systems, how many planets, how many yeah. aliens. But I, I think what you're saying there is that it's really up to the GM and you can develop it as you yeah. go along, you know, and extend. Yeah, and you get different points. Like, so we were talking, you're talking about, Clarence talked about somebody wrote about point crawls. Um, if you have a world and then you have to integrate everything, but you have all these neat ideas, but you have to integrate everything. But in sci-fi, you have these neat ideas. You just put it on a different world. It doesn't have to integrate Mm. with the other worlds. Makes it easier. You just introduce them. This is the flavor of the week, you know? Yeah. And and that's a fantastic way to think about it. If we're sort of like looking at M space, what sort of like sci-fi does it mirror? Is it like Star Wars or Star Trek? What, what about M space? Tell me about. Yeah, I, 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 Firefly is uh, is uh, uh, very easy to uh, to emulate with M space. I would say it's it's uh, it's a very good fit. But I also would say that Star Wars or Star Trek is is pretty much in the middle, and then you you can do more uh, low tech stuff like The Expanse if you want to, but it's a little bit more work. But you can also, with the M-Space Companion, for example, 
you you can add cybernetics and and uh, emulate Blade Runner or Altered Carbon if you want to. So it's it's uh, M Space is very much a toolkit uh, where you can put in just just uh, adjust the rules to to fit your setting. Yeah, it, it sounds extremely adaptable. Does it have the you mentioned starships earlier on, Clarence? And I, I'm interested how it is there a, like a starship combat. Um, procedure is that sort of like built into the game yeah yeah it is it's actually very similar it's uh, it's completely based on normal combat in Mithras with a few new special effects and it's uh, you you roll both for the pilot first and then for the gunner and if one succeeds and the other uh, does not succeed you get different results uh, I've tried a lot of different starship combat systems and I think they fall either into the too complex and it just bogs down the, the game completely or they are very abstract where you just it's hard to imagine what it actually yeah. what, what actually happens so I, I wanted to find a good middle way there and um, well for me it, it has uh, it, I, I very often with my players get a get a feeling of uh, you know like the dog fights in Star Wars for example yeah and and I think that I think you summed it up really well. Some systems that I've used have been so complex when it yeah. comes to starship combat that you you lose the narrative exactly. and it suddenly becomes too technical rather than enjoying the actual the dogfight. And I think yeah. that yeah. that's what. But also the the possibility of players having an input to that and their skills being used with the combat. Uh, do what about you, Scott? Do you like starship combat? Is that we've had some amazing battles in Pirates of Dardax. We've had ships sliced in half. We've had I don't know. We make good movies. <laughs> we make a good movie. This is ship with these giant claws that it has that just sliced them right off. You know, just sliced them right off. We're like, whoa, that was pretty impressive. You know, uh, things that happen are just really cool uh, and they're fun and i think that's what everybody really wants from an rpg this idea to replicate or create their own movies you know their their own stories their own narratives uh, and i think that's fantastic what, what does the m stand for <laughs> i was thinking well i think it originally it stands it stood for uh, mithras of course right yeah so uh, i it actually the, the game uh, started as uh, BRP space, but but then uh, when when the Mithras Gateway license came out and uh, Mithras Imperative, I found uh, it was better to build M space upon that. Yeah, 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 fantastic. I, I was just reading my notes and thinking, what does the M actually stand <laughs> for? So so M space, you get the the rule system, and then that's fine. So what about the supplements? What what else is out there for the game? Scott, tell, tell us about the companion. I think the companion is out there. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, well <laughs> take me by surprise with that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the companions got all the robotics and cybernetics that Clarence wrote up this really good. Um, my favorite that I added to it was was Origins because I like the I snuck in little moral choices that I don't know if people are even aware of when they do them, but. You know, you get this, like, you roll something and you have to choose gun combat or an enemy because you're, like, your hydroponics failed and everybody's starving, or you can have willpower and make a contact. It's like, that's subtly a moral choice, you know? 
And it's like, and then you can interpret it different ways too. It could be a moral choice. You protected a bunch of people. You gained the gun combat. But you made the enemy of some guy who's trying to rob you. However you want to interpret it, but there's moral choices that you can create your character in. And so I had fun with that. And I, and I came from the old school um, traveler where you'd roll up your characters and it was almost like your whole career is done. You're done rolling up character. You've played your character and you're done rolling up classic traveler. And then Mongoose Traveler changed it so it wasn't so deadly. And I felt like it lost something. But you don't want to kill your character when you're rolling them up because that was too much. So I inserted you could get thrown in prison. You know, you didn't, you, you, did, you didn't follow the path that your character wanted to set out to be because you got thrown in prison. And maybe it was fair, maybe it wasn't fair. But whatever the case was, that's what happened. So there's a danger there that replaced getting killed. I, and so I, mean, I had a lot of fun with that. I, I remember that from Traveller rolling up and going through the services and then suddenly thinking, do I do another year service or, you know, because I might die, you know. <laughs> <Think about that. laughs> so, yeah. so that's the, um, so the companion does origins, robots and cybernetics. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Okay, then. So what else is out there for M-Space in the relation to supplements? Yeah, we have, uh, if you want just a starting, a starting adventure, I would probably recommend, uh, yeah, either that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Triton incident, the, the starting scenario for uh, Elevation, uh, both of them uh, that Mike uh, Larrymore wrote. Mike, who, who also have written uh, Agony and Ecstasy and is working now on Destined. Yeah. So uh, I, like, I like those. Elevation is a larger campaign with, I don't know, five, four or five scenarios set in a, in a kind of, you know, it's like a Star Trek with a twist. So it's uh, if you take the Federation from Star Trek and imagine that it was broke, then you, you have the, the basic idea of, uh, of elevation. I've actually read both those and, and really felt that I could just go with them. And they, they were very much ready-made. So if, you know, rather than trying to create my, my own campaign necessarily yeah. right from the beginning, I found both those books really helpful to just run it. What about this reflux? Yeah, that's also a, a starting adventure set in, a, in, a weave, in the Weaver setting. And it's um, probably say it's a bit higher tech perhaps than Elevation, a more slightly Star Wars epic feel probably to it. Fantastic. And then there's Circles of Steel. Circles of Steel, yeah. It's a supplement for uh, M-Space Companion with that uh, Alex Green, the author of, how do you say it, Fiora Shita? Yeah. And he's written up a lot of organizations for uh, cybernetics and uh, robots. Yeah, and I think he's going to be coming on the podcast uh, later on when Fiora Shita actually is published because he came on beforehand and he was saying that he would like to talk about Circles of Steel as well. And Excellent. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, he's uh, there's some really uh, good ones in there. Yeah. I really like. Uh, yeah. Are there any supplements that I haven't got? This is <laughs> Well, I think maybe you have missed uh, Odd Suit. Oh, yes. Tell me about that. It's uh, sci-fi in the 1920s, actually. So it's uh, on an alternate Earth. Uh, in the 1920s and uh, humanity has reached the stars like 50 years ago. The problem is that there's an interstellar pandemic drives people insane and uh, they eventually die. So it's it's not based on, uh, on, the, on the real world. 
I've, I've actually got it up now on another screen ready to purchase. Science fiction ah, mystery in the 1920s. It sounds absolutely fantastic. So that that's um, brilliant. Um, where can people get, I'm jumping around a bit, I know, but where can people get this, the rule set and the supplements from? Where, where's this sort of like the main page for them? Yeah, I would recommend first of all, you can go to uh, my website, frostbitebooks.com. Brilliant. Of course, you can also just search for M-Space in um, uh, drive-thru RPG, and all, all the books should be there. And I'll put a link to Frostbite Books in the show notes. It seems that M-Space is, is well established, and there's obviously people playing it. So where, where are you taking it next? It's almost like to the final frontier. I feel that I should make Star Trek quote. Uh, <laughs> so, so what's next for M Space? Uh, Junkyard Blues, I think, is coming out next or soon. Anyway, um, that's a story about a starship that crashes on a world that's made of nothing but twisted metal. It's a junkyard, um, and it's a hellish place where survival is extremely difficult. And they have to get off this place as soon as they can before their life support runs out. And they meet all kinds of strange peoples and aliens and an actual group of humans who have survived there for a long time and some other things. Uh, I worked on it for a couple of years. I actually only worked on it for a few days of writing, but there was two years in between because I built the junkyard, which is like about two thirds of the story, but I couldn't find the blues. I just didn't have the blues part of it. Then I finally came across a love story that fit so perfectly because it was tragic and I put it in there and then I felt like I had a complete story. Fantastic. So, so is that like uh, an adventure then? It's a, it's a little sandbox place where the DM can make it as much as he wants. They can adventure there over and over and over again. Uh, and yeah, it's designed to just be, leave it up to the DM. If he's, it's it's. It's like a space dungeon crawl because it's nothing but direct starships. It sounds like a really, and I might be wrong and do correct me, it sounds almost like a really good one for um, a one-off adventure. Is that Would it fit into people's campaigns like that? It could fit into a one-off adventure, place they visited, and it can fit into a place that they repeatedly go back to. It could fit into a place where they stay for a long time. Uh, <laughs> if they're trapped there, they could be there for quite a while. Uh, so however GM wants to use it, it could fit into it's pretty versatile that way. Brilliant. Anything else that's organized for the future of M Space? Yes, I'm working uh, also with Alex Green on, on a larger campaign uh, that is uh, firmly rooted in, uh, in uh, M Space Companion and it will have a robotic theme. So, uh, and I think that might be ready for, well, sometime next year. So Junkyard Blues uh, will, will be first out. And uh, then I have some new stuff for Odd Suit, but it's, uh, it's not ready for me to discuss really no that's fine i'm just looking at frostbite books website it's a lovely website may i just say i just love (laughs) i love the uh the slider at the top it's really good um so tell me if somebody like me is about to start off a a sci-fi campaign using m space um what would be your advice to me and to them as well yeah, I think I would say start small, as I said before. You know, start with just one planet, maybe even one city, uh, and work from there. Don't make it too complicated. 
Uh, and often, Scott said earlier, it's it's good to have like in the at least in the beginning, one planet, one scenario. It's like I always get this uh, this image of um, Luke Skywalker visiting uh, Yoda for the first time. It's like he just drops down in the middle of nowhere, finds Yoda, and then goes yeah. away again. I think that's that's kind of a good uh, mindset to have. Very nice. Yeah, I like that. What yeah. about you, Scott? Yeah, I pretty much agree with what Clarence said. Um, I usually, when I start off a campaign, I slap down a handful of planets and I put down ideas for what I want for each one and then kind of just leave it up to the players what they do. But if I can tie it all together with a common theme somehow, then go with that. We we talked earlier about the vastness of a, a sci-fi um, campaign can be, and I think that's really good advice or like keep it down. And I'd never thought about Yoda's planet in the sense that we have no idea what's on the rest of the planet. Drops in and, and drops out. It's like that M. Night Shyamalan story of the village or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a little park and outside it's all urban. I was just thinking, do you think um, robotics and cybernetics should play an important part in um, M space campaigns. Oh, uh, that's a good question. I think it's very much up to up to how how you feel about them. I, I would say, you know, I I, I followed a discussion for a while about if uh, I think it was when altered carbon uh, was most popular. If cybernetics is only for cyberpunk, but I I think that cybernetics has come. It's seen in almost all science fiction nowadays. Yes. It's it's really broken out from from the cyberpunk uh, cyberpunk uh, genre, so uh, so I think I would probably include robotics and cybernetics at least a little bit of cybernetics. You don't have to to like replace entire limbs or uh, or make people uh, invulnerable, but at least small adjustments to the body I think seems quite reasonable. Yeah. What well, what about you, Scott? Are well, you- we just came on my Pirates of Dragonlance drifted into Westworld. And we've been playing robots for the last couple of years, and now we're playing robots in Pirates of Drynax. So, yeah, robotics is a pretty big part of the thing. Find it quite enjoyable. Uh, my players were excited to be playing them space rules that hadn't come out yet. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what about aliens? Because I, I don't know. I um, dabbled in Starfinder, I think it's called, which is a, like in the um, version of it. And it's to me, it's a, di- a typical D&D 5th edition sort of like rule set in the sense that the first thing they give you is a whole load of different races that you can be and people start min-maxing, you know, choosing this because it's got six, one of them has six arms or something like that. Well, what's your opinions about aliens in campaigns? They're hard to design for me. Um, I don't want it to be just an orc with, with the spacing. You know, <laughs> so so I think designing an alien world is easier than designing an alien for me. Um, but once you get started on it, you can go no, on a roll no, and start yeah. building up a whole bunch of them. And, and uh, the rules in M space are great for that because you've got you've got these biomes you design and what's this common theme of these aliens and that evolved on this world and stuff. And once you start going there, you can start spitting out all kinds of aliens that all fit that mold. So, but that's always the hardest part for me. Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I love aliens, but I think it's it's. I, I think it can be quite hard to make to make them, uh, and that's 
that's why I included, you know, like a random system for them in MSpace. It's, uh, I, I, I have some difficulties seeing, you know, like intelligent dogs on two feet, like in, like in Traveler. I, I, I prefer more alien aliens, so to speak. I find it quite difficult to see that, that you should uh, offer them as, uh, you know, like, like an orc or a dwarf or an elf. Then it kind of gets it a little bit too, too simplified, yeah. I think. And I, I don't know if you yeah. watch our um, Odes campaign, the fantasy, but one that I run, but I don't have races for the players at all. Yeah. Every, everybody's human. Mm-hmm. And I quite like yeah. that um, because it means when they encounter an alien or, or a monster yeah. of some description, they don't yeah. know <laughs> about it. You know, they don't know what, and I, I think, I would sort of like make aliens that look human, but have mm. hidden qualities, if that makes sense. You know, so a bit of that unknown. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm not a, a great fan of dogs walking on two legs mm. carrying guns. You know, I can't push it that far. And I, I yeah, <laughs> and I, I think the other thing with um, cybernetics is that. I never want to throw the game balance out, you know, because all of a sudden somebody's got um, robotic arms. What yeah. can they actually do with that arm? You know, is all locked? Are all locked doors suddenly not locked anymore because they can just bash, bash into it? You know. But I, I think the important thing from what I felt about M Space is that all that is down to the GM and the players working together to create their own campaign so brilliant is there anything else that you would like to talk about or mention now that we haven't already discussed uh, not really i'm i'm quite happy what about you Scott? i'm working on something but it's a ways down the road still although i did just finish the whole creature book of 16 creatures since we we're just talking about creatures i need to type that section up and mail it off to you clarence but <laughs> you can <look> over <laughs> But that's always down the road, so I didn't know about talking about it just yet. No, that's that's absolutely fine. And hopefully when it comes out, you can come back to the podcast and talk to us again. Yeah, well, it, when we actually play it, it'll be videoed and shared as well. So be prepared. I will make mistakes. <laughs> Please be prepared for that. So, But thank you so much for coming along and talking with the podcast and today it's been absolutely fantastic and hopefully we'll spread the wonderful work of M Space to you know past galaxies and to new frontiers it'd be fantastic thank you so much for coming along thank you yeah thanks Fantastic interview with Clarence and Scott. I learned so much and I'm so eager to start my M Space campaign now. You can find a link to Frostbite Books in the show note. A great website, really looking good as well. I'm looking forward to having Alex Green back on the podcast when Fewer Cheetah is released. And so he can also talk, talk about his work on M Space. You can find Alex talking about Furuchita in episode three of this podcast back in 2019. And in episode six, there was an interview with Brian and Mike about Destin and the Agony and Ecstasy module. We have really covered a lot in this podcast, I tell you.
And remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not drop me a line or an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews or even people to come along and chat about aspects of role playing, adventure creation or myth, any aspect of Mithras itself. I would really like to get somebody from Classic Fantasy, Luther Arkwright and After the Vampire Wars on. So if you played those supplements or you created them and would be willing to contribute, then do get in touch. Anyone can email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. I'll put you at ease in the interview interviews and I'm a wonder at editing. I will wonder at editing that that was put on. Sorry. Anyway, if you would like to contribute, then get in touch. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. I'm going to head off and start creating my M space campaign. Some actual play videos hopefully coming your way. Next month, I will be joined by Dan True when we talk about com the combat modules and how to create encounters which both challenge and add to your narrative. I took so many notes in that interview and learnt so much. It's definitely an episode you will not want to miss. So until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in November. Until then, I hope all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. Content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license, so please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.